Good afternoon, and welcome to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. This is your host, Cindy McGurl, bringing you the music of jazz drummer Paul Modian. Music he created, music he inspired, and music he was inspired by. I want to thank my sponsors for the show here at Community Radio WRFR Low Power 93.3 FM Rockland, Maine. And they are the Dowling Walsh Gallery and the Curator on Main Street in Rockland and Rockport Automotive in Rockport. Each week I bring you a combination of music and readings from the Palmodian Archive. So stay tuned for this week's show. show is all about Gary Peacock and Paul Modian. Their history goes way back and they first started playing together in 1962. And so today's show is part one. Um, there's so much music where they both played that um, it could, this is definitely going to be a multi-part episode. And I'm going to start out by reading from Paul Modian's unpublished autobiography. And this chapter is titled The Village Vanguard. In the summer of 1962, Gary Peacock became a member of the Bill Evans trio. Cannonball Adderley recommended him. Bill and I had been sitting backstage in the Vanguard on our break one night when Cannon came back there and during our conversation said, Bill, you ought to check out this bass player in California. I think you'd like him. Chuck Israels had been playing with us, and he was a wonderful player, but I didn't think he was connected to Bill like Scott was. The trio, now with Gary Peacock playing bass, played Roths in Schenectady, New York. It was Gary's first gig with the trio. I liked playing with him. His style was similar to Scott LaFaro's, and he fit right in. We hadn't rehearsed at all. Gary had sat in with us one night in the Vanguard when I asked him if he wanted to work with us, and he agreed. I was excited. Things looked good. The future was going to be full of music. The gigs would be plentiful. I guess maybe I should have had a little history there for people um, who aren't aware, but the Bill Evans trio with Scott LaFaro ended... um, with tragedy when Scott LaFaro was killed and um, Bill and didn't play at all for a while and then he got the trio back together again um, and Chuck Israels was the bassist so um, I'm going to play a couple of cuts from Trio 64 which is um, the only trio album that Bill Evans, Gary Peacock and Paul Modian played together I'm going to start with Dancing in the Dark and then I'm going to play a couple of cuts from um, Cannonball Adderley, the saxophonist, um, because I think he was a big influence on um, 
on the trio, really, on the Bill Evans trio and Gary Peacock and Paul Modian. Give a listen and see what you think.
work song. Thank you very much for our work song, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.
was Autumn Leaves from Cannonball Adderley's 1958 Blue Note album, Something Else, with Cannonball on saxophone, Miles Davis on trumpet, Hank Jones on piano, Sam Jones on double bass, and Art Blakey on drums. Um, And I was thinking that tune, Autumn Leaves, I could do a whole show of just that tune. There's so many versions with uh, Paul and other people he knew. I might do that in the future. Before that, we heard I'll See You Again uh, from Noel Coward's piece from Trio 64. And before that, work song, uh, Nat Adderley and Oscar Brown Jr. composition from Live in Lugano, Switzerland, 1963. 
Um, and that was a video I saw on YouTube, um, and it has um, some pretty good footage of the band playing. Ju Julian Cannonball Adderley, saxophone. Nat Adderley, his brother, on coronet. Joe Zonnell on piano. Yusuf Latif on wind. I think it's a flute. And Sam Jones on bass. And Lewis Hayes on drums. And we started out the set with Dancing in the Dark by Schwartz and Dietz from Trio 64 with Bill Evans, Gary Peacock, and Paul Modian, 1963. And I want to remind you that you are listening to Community Radio, WRFR Low Power, Rockland, Maine, streaming online at wrfr.org on your local radio dial at 93.3 FM. And I'm going to read a little bit more from Paul's unpublished autobiography. This chapter is titled Nine Weeks. A nine-week stay at the Vanguard, an unusually long time for a gig at one club, even back then. We could have stayed longer, but Bill didn't want to stay longer. Max asked our trio to back singers and other acts and wanted us to be the house trio. Gary and I were asked to be the house rhythm section and play without Bill. We refused. We didn't want to play there without Bill. Helen Keene, Bill's manager, had made up a contract for the trio to play the Vanguard for six months. We didn't do that either. Gary Peacock would leave the trio sometimes to play with Albert Ayler, and Chuck Israels played with us again when we performed on television. CBS had a half-hour program on television every Sunday afternoon called Camera 3. The program featured the Bill Evans Trio on October 14, 1962. It was an excellent program and usually featured the arts, and there was only one short commercial break halfway through the show. I like the fact that the program was about music and not full of commercials. With Gary back in the trio, we recorded the album Trio 64 for Verve Records on December 18, 1963. Creed Taylor was the producer, and the atmosphere in the studio was terrible. I felt uncomfortable. Creed and Gary were arguing about the music most of the time. What's the drummer doing? I can't get with this music. It's too difficult to listen to, the producer said. After a while, we just wanted to finish the recording and get out of there. It was starting to feel like a job. As it turned out, the recording, surprisingly, is really good, and it still sounds good. Always, for heaven's sake, dancing in the dark, my heart stood still. So we're going to go to the top of the hour um, with, we're going to hear first um, Blue and Green, uh, Miles Davis tune, most people say also written by Bill Evans or totally written by Bill Evans from the Camera 3 TV show I talked about with Bill, Chuck Israels, and Paul Modian. Um, then we're going to hear Mothers by Albert Ayler with Albert Ayler on saxophone, Don Cherry on trumpet, Gary Peacock on bass, and Sonny Murray on drums. And that's from Albert Ayler's 1964 debut album, Ghosts. Um, then we'll hear Nardis, another Miles Davis tune from the Camera 3 TV show. Then Vibrations by Albert Ayler 
from the Ghosts album. And we're going to end with Trio 64, an alternate take of Little Lulu by KYs and Lipman. And uh, I picked that alternate take because I think the drums are a little louder on that.
Welcome back to the second hour of Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. The show is recorded for September 28th, 2020. And the theme is Gary Peacock and Paul Modian. And we're staying within their early years, the early 1960s, and a little beyond to the late, maybe. We'll get to have time for that, I'm not sure. Um, so what we heard before the top of the hour, um, we heard two cuts from the Camera 3 CBS TV show with Bill Evans, Chuck Israels on bass and Paul Modian, starting with Blue and Green by Miles Davis and then uh, Nardis. And then in between, we heard some Albert Ayler um, mothers from the album Ghosts. With Albert Ayler on saxophone, Don Cherry on trumpet, Gary Peacock on bass, and Sonny Murray on drums. And we heard vibrations with the same lineup. And we ended with uh, Little Lulu, the alternate take, um, with Bill Evans, Gary Peacock, and Paul Modian. Um, Paul complained in his writing that it was a stressful session. And uh, I think that little Lulu, he maybe he was a little too loud on the drums for the producer. So I'm going to do a little more reading from Paul Modian's unpublished autobiography. In 1964, around the end of May, we went out to Los Angeles. Peacock went to Europe with Albert Ayler, and Chuck Israels came back with Bill. We were to play at Shelley's Manhole for two weeks. During the two weeks at Shelley's, the music was starting to get me down. It wasn't happening for me. It wasn't any good anymore. It was going downhill, fast. I was forced to play extremely soft, always playing with brushes. I felt like I wasn't there at all, so I quit. And I even paid for part of my transportation back to New York. Bill begged me to stay. The trio was to play in San Francisco next, and then go to Europe for the first time, but I couldn't do it anymore. Bill was doing a lot of drugs, and I was unhappy with the music. I couldn't stand it any longer. It was the same music night after night. I got bored. I missed Gary. I missed Scott. It depressed me to watch Bill play as if by rote. We weren't going anywhere, and there was so much great music going on in New York in the early and mid-60s, and I wanted to be a part of it. Bill hired the drummer Larry Bunker, and they went to San Francisco with Chuck Israels playing bass and played at a club called the Trident. I came back east and got involved playing with the pianist Bob Blay and with the Jazz Composers Guild Orchestra. The music I was playing with Paul Blay and playing again with the bass player Gary Peacock interested me much more than what was happening with Bill. With Bill, it was getting to be and sound more and more like a club date. The music with Blay and Peacock felt more advanced. It was new. It was different. It had action, movement, originality. I felt more involved with the music. It was a difficult decision for me to quit Bill Evans. It was too frustrating to stand still with the music we were playing when so much new beep was happening in jazz. I, along with Gary Peacock, had tried to get Bill to expand the repertoire some months earlier. It was no use. Bill wouldn't change anything. So we're going to um, hear from the album Paul Blay with Gary Peacock. Um, most of the tunes have Paul Modian on drums. Some have Billy Elgart. And the ones with Paul were recorded in 1964, um, but they weren't 
released until um, 1970 by ECM Records.
from two albums with uh, Paul Blay, Gary Peacock, and Paul Modian, and one of which um, saxophonist John Gilmore joins them. Um, we heard Blues, an Ornette Coleman tune from Paul Blay with Gary Peacock. That was recorded in 1963 and not released until 1970 by ECM Records. Then we heard Calls, a Carla Blay tune, um, who was once married to Paul Blay. And that's the album Turning Point, also recorded um, in the 60s, 1964, and not released until 1975 on Improvising Artists. And that's the one where John Gilmore joins them. And then we heard Long Ago and Far Away, a Kern and Gershwin tune from Paul Blay with Gary Peacock and Turning, a Paul Blay tune from Turning Point. I'm going to read a little bit more about Paul um, after he quit the Bill Evans trio and went back to New York. Take three. I wasn't making very much money, but I was playing almost every day. Besides the sessions at David Lamb's mother's apartment, there would always be a session someplace else. Take Three was the name of a jazz club near Bleecker Street in the village. The music was great. The money was awful. I played there for three weeks with Gary Peacock, who was the leader, and Paul Blay, John Gilmore, and Albert Ayler, a quintet. Albert on tenor sounded strong. He sounds like a gigantic ocean liner coming into port. The other tenor player, Gilmore, was no slouch either. The playing was fantastic. You could not deny it. It was some of the best musical times that I remember. Everyone played great. Sometimes we made $1 a night each, sometimes $2, and on weekends, $5 each. I didn't care. The music was really happening. Admission to the club was 99 cents. Every night, the music was exciting. I couldn't wait to get to the gig. So we're going to hear two more cuts from those albums. 
Um, first, we're going to hear Gary Peacock's tune more from Paul Blay with Gary Peacock. And then we're going to hear King Corn, a Carlo Blay composition um, from Turning Point. Thank you. 
Another player that both Paul Modian and Gary Peacock played with in the 1960s was pianist Lowell Davidson. And I'm going to read 
a little bit from Paul's autobiography about Lowell. The pianist Lowell Davidson was a tall, skinny black man. I thought he was gifted and smart, but he beeped himself up when he experimented with synthetic drugs. I heard that he was making up beep in a lab at MIT and then ended up in a hospital. He was later released and lived on welfare and social security for a time. Lowell lived in Boston. I first met him in New York in the early part of 1965. We played at a session in a loft somewhere on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. His music was interesting and original. The music was his own, different. His melodic themes were written down, but the music sounded spontaneous, as if it was composed on the spot. He had made a recording with the drummer Milford Graves and Gary Peacock a few years earlier for ESP Records. Bassist Kent Carter reminded me recently about one of the times when he and I played with Lowell in Boston. We were into a new kind of playing. It was different because of Lowell's compositions. The music had a structural sense. It was elegant and spacious, powerful, yet delicate and lyrical. So I'm going to take us to the top of the hour with a stately one from the Lowell Davidson Trio a 1965 ESP Records release with um, Lowell, Gary Peacock, and Milford Graves. And uh, look for next week for another new show. I figured out how to use my new software. It's a little bit, I don't know, it's not as nice as going in the studio. I hope I can get back in there soon. Um, So, but next week we'll do more Gary Peacock and Paul Modian with uh, Keith Jarrett, more Paul Blay, Masabumi Kikuchi, and Tethered Moon, and some Marilyn Crispell, and uh, there's quite a few other albums where both Gary and Paul play. So uh, if you like Gary, come back for more, and stay well, everybody. And remember that you can access older shows at jazzcloset.blogspot.com. And um, I do have a whole series about Lowell Davidson. If you like his music, check it out.
Thank you.